This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Oh, hit it out. Oh, baby, what a play. Jeff Bedone with Believe in Chiefs on the Believe Network. Kansas City's number one sports podcast network. The only place for the show for every team in Casey and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? On this week's show, former Kansas City Chiefs offensive lineman Joe Valerio and I discuss minicamp. Uh, Joe, before we get into minicamp, though, uh, since the last time we talked, they had the charity softball game of Marquez Valdez-Scantling. And, of course, because he's Patrick Mahomes, Mahomes hit six home runs. <laughs> um, anyhow, Joe, I was curious if this brought back some memories. You had, didn't you guys have a softball kind of tournament or something for charity back when you were playing? We did. Yeah, we played in a couple of uh, played in a couple of uh, softball games. Tim Timmy used to host a really nice one. Um, Grunny or Barnett? Uh, or which which Grunny? Tim Grunny. Tim Grunhard. So Grunny used I'm to host. Used to, a, yeah, yeah, I'm so used to Grunny that I was thrown by that. That's true. Yeah, I got thrown by the Timmy. Uh, but Tim Grunhard used to host a really, really fun. We used to play the Raiders, um, and uh, we also, you know, we played with the Raiders. Any Raiders that were, you know, in the area, or they'd fly them in, or whatever. We we would do that against them. That was always fun. Those were super well attended, and probably not loved- Bo Jackson, though, right? I assume. No, I think that would that would have been a ringer. <laughs> that would have been a little bit of a ringer. I think we may have lost that game, um, but we, yeah, we used to do we used to do that, and uh, it, it was fun. And then we just ended up we do some internal charity softball stuff with the with the team, and yeah. The Chiefs organization is always amazing as it relates to getting in the community and making the players accessible and seeing them in a different light, having fun, right? I mean, the fans, I think, are the most important aspect of that, not because, um, uh, you know, obviously the players are are, are uh, willing to come out to those things because the fans make them want to be accessible because they they enjoy it. They don't, it's not overwhelming for the players. I mean, you know, I, I always go back to my Joe Montana stories about how much he loved living in Kansas City because he got to be Joe Montana, the mm-hmm. guy, and not, you know, living in a compound in a, you know, a gated, you know, high security house. He lived in a normal house, you know, and kids would come to his door and ask his kids to come out and play and not ask for a hundred autographs. Like it's that kind of acceptance into the community that makes it so much fun for players and why they want to go out and spend, you know, uh, time in the community because the fans and the, and the community make it so worthwhile. It it really is a, an awesome marriage of, 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 you know, the team coming together with the community. And anyway, not to go off on a huge tangent, but the, the, the charity softball games were always fun. We had a charity base uh, basketball team, you know, we were always out doing that um, during the off season and uh, just a, just a, just a lot of fun, you know, to be in in the Kansas city community. During the softball or baseball games, how did you do, and how did our pal Danon Hughes do? Because Danon, I know, has quite a, ba- a baseball background in college. So I'm curious how you did and how well, Danon did. Well, 
you know, I played baseball in high school and right. actually thought I was going to play baseball in college. Mm-hmm. So I could I could handle myself out in the field. I generally would play either first base or out in the outfit. I, I would, you know, even though I was a catcher uh, in my my high school uh, career and could have been in my college career, uh, I you know I wasn't getting behind the plate at 305 pounds, you know, squatting <laughs> down there right at my knees. Uh, but I used to play first base or play in the outfield and, and I can, you know, I could, I could carry, you know, I could carry my weight, you know, no pun intended um, playing. Now, Danon was at another level. Like he was our Bo Jackson ringer that I think, you know, we tried to hide and make sure mm-hmm. people didn't know that, you know, he was actually a professional baseball player. Uh, so, you know, we, we kept him, we kept him well hidden um amongst that and then all of a sudden i think about the third time he would come up the bat people would say hmm i think he's uh, a little bit of a little bit of a ringer uh but and, and we also one of my favorite things we used to do was a home run hitting contest i think we've talked about this on past pods the home run hitting contest we would have on the softball fields up at river falls wisconsin uh, at the university of river falls during training camp that was always a fun afternoon was to was to go out and watch guys swing a bat man i'll tell you it's fun just to watch athletes out there because, you know, even guys who you wouldn't think like Derek Thomas, he could hit a ball. Uh, you know, you're thinking, you know, did he, how, you know, well, Derek Thomas probably could have played any sport professionally, <laughs> probably if he put his mind to it, you know, just with his incredible athletic ability. But yeah, so lot, lots of fun, you know, with that kind of stuff. Great to see the players in a different light for the fans and to get to interact with them in, a, in an intimate environment, just see them completely out of character and out of context. And Joe, before we get to, cause obviously people aren't tuning in to hear, this isn't believe in chief softball or believe in softball. They're here to hear about minicamp. But before that, I do have a, a quick a story that's good. That's quick. Um, and and is, is very related to this. I think part of the reason Valdez Scantling did this, um, uh, charity softball game was I think it has its roots in Green Bay. You know, that's where he started his career and Brett Favre for a long, long time had a, a charity softball game. And so I think he might've gotten the idea there. And, you know, when I, I was working for the Packers writing for the website 2005, that was one of my first, um, you know, assignments. And I, you know, I didn't know a lot of people uh, and Peter King, who was, you know, now with NBC sports was a long time sports illustrated writer had a, um, you know, was a connection with Farf. So he showed up and I was all excited. He had like a Royals hat on. And, you know, this is, I don't know anybody. I'm like, oh, this is cool. So I was like, oh man, you've got a Royals hat on. And he's like, yeah, it's a fitted hat. It's the one, only one that will fit my head. It's like, I have an old hat. And so anyhow, like um, I'm literally sitting in the dugout. I don't know why I shouldn't be here, sitting here, but next to Brett Favre and his wife. And he's telling somebody, um, like, man, did you see how much weight Peter King lost? <laughs> and I go, yeah. And he had a Royals hat on. And Favre goes, well, who cares about the Royals? Because, <laughs> I mean, they're not there for you. So hard. <laughs> and I was like, I got defensive. Like, I care about the Royals. Yeah. And he, then that was kind of the end of the conversation. And he pretty That's much, awesome. We're going to be back with information, I swear, about minicamp. But first – Bet Online is your number one source for all your sports info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines and the latest matchup reports for any sport. Bet Online is your Intel headquarters this season. You have it covered for all your insider sports wagering needs. Uh, and it's the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options, and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your home. 
Get into the action today, so head to the website or use your mobile device to join, and be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE to receive your 50% bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Uh, Joe, the biggest topic of Chiefs minicamp was actually somebody who wasn't there. Um, Chris Jones was not at the three-day minicamp. Um, you know, he, he's hoping to get a new contract. Does it matter that he, he wasn't there? In other words, Joe, does a veteran like him, does he miss something from not being there or, or not really? No, no, let's be honest, right? <laughs> I mean, it's Chris Jones. You know, if it's a rookie trying to make the squad or if it's somebody who's a marginal player, you know, the guy knows the playbook. He knows what he's doing. Um, he's dealing with his contract issues. Now, if he was under contract, I'd expect him to be there. Like, I, you know, I mean, I know, well, he's kind of technically under contract. He is under contract, he's just waiting for, uh, but you know, he's in the last year of his deal. Yeah. yeah. And I think he's, he's in a little bit of a different situation. And I think players understand that they really do. I, I mean, there, there's not a whole list, you know, group of players that are going to be like resentful or, you know, saying that, you know, Chris Jones should have been here. Why wasn't he here? You know, they know what he's trying to accomplish. They know how valuable he is. They know that he puts in the work and, and I get it, you know, I get it. And, you know, these mini camps are great to get the team gelling. I think, you know, Patrick looked really good throwing to receivers. He looks like he's in like mid season form and, you know, looks like he's got the whole foot injury, ankle injury behind him. Um, you know, looks like he's a hundred percent, which is great. He's bombing home runs and playing softball and doing his thing, which is great. What you want him to do, right? You want him out there in the community being active. Um, yeah, I thought, you know, that this, this, these mini camps are really um, for timing for receivers, running backs, maybe the defensive backs, you know, linebackers to a certain degree and coverage. There's not a whole lot of stuff that linemen can do at these kind of mini camps with no pads on. Um, it's just, it's just not. You can do some you know, fit and finish stuff, and as linemen, you can do some pass protection things. You know, not fully contact, but uh, you know, I, I think these these mini camps are almost like a glorified what we used to call skelly or skeleton or seven on seven. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, let's just let's just be honest about it. So him not being there, look, I'll never forget my first mini camp. We didn't have like a difference between rookie minicamp and minicamp when mm -hmm. I was a rookie. Right. So we right. just we just showed up for minicamp the week after the draft. And one of my favorite minicamp stories was and and stop me, Jeff, if I've told this one before on, on a on a on a previous pod, but uh Rich Baldinger was a decade long veteran. I you know, he it may have been more than 10 years, it may have been 12, 13 years veteran by the time you know I had met him my rookie year. And, uh, you know, Baldy, as we like to call him, uh, Rich was, uh, you know, there at minicamp. It was mandatory and everybody showed up at minicamp back then in the Marty days, unless unless you literally weren't under contract. But that was not really an issue because mm -hmm. my rookie year, everybody had a contract because there was no free agency. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, Rich gets up uh, at, when we were getting ready to do our running testing. And, you know, I'm, look, I'm fresh out of college. I just, you know, I'm coming out of, you know, Penn. So I'm still feeling the, you know, pressure of being from a small school and I'm trying to impress people. So of course, when I get asked to run the 40 yard dash and do my shuttle runs, I'm going to do it like I'm at the combine, right? Mm -hmm. Like I want to impress some yeah. people and, you know, make the squad and do all that stuff. Well, Rich gets up when it's his turn after guys were run, you know, very seriously running the 40 yard dash. You know, Rich gets up 
and he's like looking like so intent on running an unbelievable 40-yard dash. Now, this is a guy that's played well over a decade in the NFL, full-time starter for, you know, eight, 10 years. And, you know, like I said, I pardon me for not knowing this, but he could have been in his 12th or even 13th mm -hmm. year at the time. And he looks like he's going to try to run the 40-yard dash of his life. He's huffing and puffing and he's, you know, stretching and like warming up and getting ready and like gets down on the line of scrimmage and he puts his hand up and he's like ready to go. And and, and when you run the 40 yard dash, you know, back then they didn't have electronic timing. So mm -hmm. the coaches did it on the stopwatch, but they did it on your movement. Right. Uh -huh. So Rich gets down and I'm thinking this guy is going to try and attempt to run the 40 yard dash of his life. And he gets down and, and, and coach Redding says, you know, uh, who's our strength coach, Dave Redding goes, all right, on your movement, Baldy. And, and Rich gets down and he looks like he's going to, and then he like pops up and he just does this easy <laughs> little jog in his 40 yard dash. And we're like, Oh my God, Baldy. He had us all snowed. Right. Cause he, it, he, we thought he was going to try to run, you know, like, you know, Usain Bolt. And he just, just, nonchalantly gets out of his stance and just saunters and jogs his 40 yard dash. He may have run that 40 yard dash. It may have taken him 30 seconds to get that 40 yards. And I mean, even, even coach Schottenheimer had to laugh a little bit um, <laughs> because, you know, Baldy was such a character. And to me, that was like, it just summarized and like epitomized like the difference between the way, a 13 year veteran approaches mini camp and like a guy like me coming out of a small college approach mini camp. Right. And uh, I always think back to that. Whenever I think about mini camp, I think about Baldy, you know, pulling a fast one on everybody with his 40 yard dash. And, you know, and, and, and that's a story I tell because it is tangentially related to how veterans will look at mini camp, right. It's a chance to get your timing down, get back in the swing of things. Um, you know, I mean, I think in in the wide receiver room, I think they got some work to do. You mm -hmm. know, it's a lot of new bodies, a lot of new people, a lot of new timings that need to get done. And, uh, you know, I think MVS actually did make some commentary in, in some of his, you know, uh, uh, well, in his commentary that, that he was really impressed with this wide receiver room. And, and I think that's important. It's important to get everybody together, get them bonding so that, you know, they, that we take advantage of, of every single moment of minicamp uh, because, you know, we've talked about this ad nauseum. You don't get a whole lot of time at camp and it's going to be till the middle of September before this team really gels. Right. So you might as well take advantage of it and get everybody there. You know, it was very timely for you to mention that really funny story about kind of the, the 40 time and the condition because the Chiefs on Thursday here, the last day of minicamp, did do a somewhat kind of a mini conditioning test. They'll do the real one, like kind of the beginning of um, training camp, but Andy Reid said he kind of wanted to get his uh, guys ready, um, kind of get it ready for that when, when training camp happens. Joe, uh, back to Chris Jones, because that's such a big deal there. The other thing too is there's been some talk about he 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 did he made some social media posts where kind of the clock is ticking, so it might make fans nervous. But I I really would take that with a grain of salt. Um, you know, back before he got this contract uh, that he's on now, um, he was actually interacting with Le'Veon Bell on social media, kind of saying how kind of implying that like a holdout was near, like you know how 
Bell famously held out basically for a season, and then he ended up signing this big, big deal. Um, so again, I, I, there's a lot of time. I mean, he could even miss some of training camp, and I don't think it's necessarily a, a big deal. No, as limited time as as the players get at the, at this point, you know, yeah, he's he's going to be just fine. We're going to be fine. I know the Chiefs are going to make this happen. He's too important of a piece of this puzzle. I think we've got the money to do it. We've got the cap room. We've they've done everything right um, to keep him there. You know, um, and you know when he puts that Super Bowl ring on, because another little tangential story, right? This is big, big soup. You know, this week is uh, you know Super Bowl ring ceremony, and you know he puts that ring on, and he looks around at the team and the squad that he's helped build. And, and, and win these two Super Bowls, I think he's going to be talk, calling his agent and saying, all right, you know, let's get this done. Let's make this happen. We don't need to go wild or go crazy, right? We'll, we'll get it done. He'll be here for the start of the season, and uh, he's going to get the payday that he deserves. I think the Chiefs are going to make it happen. I, I really do. I'm, I'm, I'm not worried about it at all, and I, and I don't think fans should be either. Another interesting storyline, kind of the, the running back, uh, room, you know, Isaiah Pacheco is recovering from some offseason surgeries, so he wasn't practicing. Uh, McKinnon, since he's a veteran, didn't participate in the OTAs, um, and and so there's some room. So Clyde edwards helaire he's kind of back in the mix, and he, what he was saying he uh, was interesting is that he was actually the for Super Bowl week the scout team receiver for Devonte Smith, and he also took a lot of reps at wide receiver. You know, they were so worried about all the injuries they had at wide receiver with uh, Juju Smith and Tony and things like that. They thought just in case of emergency. And then the last running back note, Joe, kind of an interesting guy flying under the radar, Daryl Henderson, the former um, uh, Rams running back who started a lot of games in the NFL uh, was with the chiefs of camp. So it'll be interesting to see if he, if he hangs on or if he was just kind of a a body with so many other bodies, uh, not, not, um, not there. So, uh, or, or at least not participating. So kind of some interesting stuff there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the, one of my favorite things that I read this week coming out of mini camp was, was Jarek McKinnon's, uh, praise, praising of, of mm-hmm. Clyde Edwards, Alaire, uh, you know, saying he's reliable. He's, he's a locker room guy. He's, he's got, he's showing a lot of resilience and, um, you know, listen, everybody has to find their, their place in, in the locker room and on the field. And, you know, if Clyde Edwards-Alaire can, you know, swallow his pride a little bit and and understand that the game changes and you never know if you just stay patient, good things can happen. Um, you know, you stay healthy, you keep working, you keep grinding, good things happen. I mean, you look at guys like, you know, Tony Richardson, you know, uh, Kimball Anders. These are Hall of Fame, Chiefs Hall of Fame, Hall of Famers. Uh, these were guys that were on practice squads. They were guys mm-hmm. that got kicked around a little bit at the beginning of their career. And you just look at the resilience and the careers that they built for themselves. And you're like, that's what it's all about. Those are the, those are the players that you want to go to battle with, right? Those are the players you want in the locker room. So listen, if Clyde edwards can can keep that resiliency that Jarek McKinnon's mentioning, and he can be the locker room guy, you don't know. You don't know what's going to happen. And he, he obviously has the talent. We've seen it. It just needs to maybe click a little bit. So, you know, I give him a lot of credit. Look, it's the off season. We're, you know, we don't have the pressure of the season right now, but we can have these kind of conversations about players. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see how this, this running back locker room gels 
uh, and huddle gels as much as, as much as the wide receiving one does, uh, because I think I think it's it, the, the 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 potential is there for this to be a really really good stable of runners, and and I think um, if they can get together in the locker room and all work together and not work against each other. It could be really special. I, I, you know, unfortunately, I saw some of that go in the opposite direction. You know, when, when I was when when um, you know Harvey Williams, you know, kind of really didn't work out as the first round draft pick of my class. Um, you know, and there was tension, and then they go ahead and and they they draft uh, Greg Hill in the first round, and then Marcus Allen is there. He comes in as good as those guys were individually, and as much as I enjoyed being around each of them individually together something didn't mix mm-hmm. and, and and that kind of lack of chemistry and the tension, it's not good. So I'm just happy to see, even though these, these guys are competitive and we're all competitive and players are competitive and they want to be, they want to be the guy, right? Um, if you can get the camaraderie and you can build a culture where they want to help each other, it's only going to be good for this team because you never know, right? We've seen things happen where guys get hurt, things happen. Uh, the, the offensive playbook changes, Boom. And next thing you know, you're getting called upon. You better be ready. So I'm, I'm you know, I know I, was a, I went on a soapbox there, but I, I'm actually ex- that's why that excited me, because I was really impressed by the fact that they were praising each other, even though they're under very, very tough competition at that running back position. Great insight there, Joe. And interesting that you mentioned, you know, the resilience of those running backs uh, like Anders and, and Tony Richardson. And another guy is a guy we talk about was Jerick McKinnon. He missed two years basically of his NFL career with a knee injury. And then he kind of had like a follow-up to that same, uh, and you know, nobody really wanted him when the chiefs initially signed him. And he's obviously become such a key guy. He was even asked this week, I think it was by Adam Peicher, um, like whether, you know, if, if you would taken this, um, been offered this straight up said, all right, well, this is going to be your career. You're going to win a Super Bowl, but you're going to have these injuries, and you know it's going to be this. And he just kind of said how it's it's a journey that that's that's what life and football is. Um, Joe, the last thing I wanted to talk about: Did you see? Because I, I wrote an article about it. Did you see Mahomes' new Coors Light ad online? I, you know, it's so funny, Jeff. I I apologize for not having seen. I know what it is because uh-huh. I know that they can't do the Coors Light beer, but he can do the Coors Light bear. So I, I think we're going to have to come back and talk about that one next week. Um, I'll make sure that I check it out. And I hope fans do too. And I hope our listeners do too, but tell us about it. So you, you tell yeah, us about what, right, what you think right. of it. So it, it's a uh, credit to that. So last year they did this since uh, active players are not permitted to active NFL players are not permitted to promote alcoholic beverages. So Coors Light had a very clever workaround uh, last year. Here I'll even get my, for the, the people who watch our YouTube t- channel, they have this um, this Coors, you can't really see it, but this Coors uh, flashlight. So instead of having Coors light, they had um, this Coors, um, a Coors light. flashlight. So that was last right. year. So you're like, what are you going to do now? So they had, um, a co- um, instead of Coors light beer, they had a Coors light bear. And it's a very kind of campy looking bear that he's like hanging out yeah. with playing golf, going to like a house party grilling with. Um, but kind of the interesting part of this ad, not, not only did they, they do the workaround, and it's, it's an ad just on kind of, um, you know, social media channels, not on TV or in print or anything. But uh, I was just kind of curious, 
you know, Mahomes has been everywhere. We talked about the softball game. He's been at the Kentucky Derby. He's he was still rehabbing his ankle. He was, you know, um, and and he was in, you know, Texas working with his uh, receivers. And this is this is earlier in the offseason, the ankle and the, the Texas uh, training. This White House, the Formula One. He was at the he was at the Formula One Grand Prix in Miami. So Every, everywhere. So yeah, that was a good point. And so I'm like, how did they fit this in? Well, they filmed it in Kansas City in May, and it really only took about two hours for um, um, them to do the shoot. You know, it's only a one minute commercial, but I still thought that seemed uh, pretty fast. You know, what, what do I know about yeah. filming and uh, uh, commercials? Um, but also, he he did add uh, a line at 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 the at near the end of the spot. He's grilling with his Coors Light bear, and he goes. Here you go, my man. And he like serves him. So it's kind of, you know, whatever. It's not like the greatest line in the world. But cool right. that Mahomes is like, you know, he's he's a Madison Avenue darling. He's done enough of these that he's at least a comfortable kind of ad-living a line here and there. Yeah, he's pretty natural. I mean, you know, um, obviously Travis is a natural. Um, he's amazing, obviously, with his, you know, SNL skit and all the other things he does for, in the entertainment arena. Uh, but yeah, Patrick, you know, I, th- I think his State Farm commercials, I think he's, he does a pretty good job. You know, I think he he comes across as very natural. It's not canned or he doesn't seem awkward at all. I mean, you know, look, he's still a football player, not a not a Juilliard trained actor, <laughs> you know, but uh, but, uh, you know, he's uh, he, he really is a natural. I, I, I enjoy seeing him um, because I think he he seems like he's having fun with it. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't, you could just, I, I, I know, I know you, you know, I don't, I haven't talked to him about it. I don't, you know, you know, I can't, I don't know it personally, but like, he just seems like he's, it's a, he gives off this aura that he's enjoying it. I don't know what it is about his performances, whether it's on TV commercials or, you know, doing things like this uh, Coors Light Bear or, you know, making appearances. He just seems like he's enjoying himself. And, and I think that's important, you know, because a lot of quarterbacks and, Players that are in the spotlight like that can put the put a lot of pressure on themselves and and to be to be perfect at everything they do because he's you know he's ab- he's an absolute you know perfectionist when it comes to his football and the way that he plays football but he also has fun when he plays football too you know the way he approaches the game the way he gives it back to other players and trash talks a little bit I love that about him I think that's what makes him really really good I think that's what makes a lot of the great ones good and and why they why they get to that level. You know that ultra performance level of the Joe Montana's, the you know the the Patrick Mahomes, the, the Tom Brady's. They they just really seem like they're enjoying themselves when they're playing the game, and and, and that's what I love most about watching him. Totally, and we're going to get to see like more of him, kind of you know off the field. Uh, there's the match that that he and Kelsey are going against Clay Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, um, in in the in the golf. Uh, match at the end of the month, and then there's that Netflix show, The Quarterback, that uh, some previews have been. So it's going to be, it'll be fun. We'll get to see uh, more of Mahomes and in, in what he's like. Well, if you enjoyed this show presented by Bet Online, please subscribe. We're available on your favorite directories: iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.